RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Jim DeVico. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 361 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, and your weekly report from the Star Trek multiverse. Recorded live on Tuesday, April 3rd, 2018, and available for download or streaming on Friday, April 6th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kenna. And I'm Tony. All right, Kenna, why don't you tell us what we've got coming up this week? Well, this week we're trekking out at least two familiar directors lined up for Discovery Season 2. There's some more Disco Awards hype, and we're looking at the cutest Star Trek fan production this side of the Gamma Quadrant. In Star Trek Online and gaming news, we're catching up on the latest that the gaming world has to offer. And later, Jake and Cookie are back with more Star Trek merchandise on the promenade. And of course, as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Captains, those hailing frequencies are always open, and you know we love to hear from you. So please reach out to us. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. On Twitter at Priority One Pod. And you can even send us an email via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. So, Captains, on April 12th, I will be participating in a cosplay cabaret hosted by Geek Life Rules in New York City at Don't Tell Mamas. Now, I tell you this because, one, I'd love for you to go if you're in the area. Links to that will, of course, be in our show notes, and I'll be posting on social media with more information. But if you can't make it, you can bet that I'll be taking to Patreon Lens for some snippets throughout the night. The whole theme is cosplay cabaret. I'll be dressed in my Starfleet uniform, singing a rendition of Stars from Les Mis. And like I mentioned, I'll be using Patreon Lens to offer some highlights throughout the night. So how can you get access to this? Well, we offer it at just $1 a month via patreon.com forward slash priority one. Many of you have already contributed to the ongoing production of the show and we're so very grateful. For instance, New patron, James Hirschfield, just joined this month. Now, we understand that a financial contribution may not be possible, so there are other ways that you can help support the show. For instance, share the publication of the show with your friends on Facebook or Twitter. Let them know that they can get their weekly roundup of Star Trek news right here at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Of course, Patreon isn't the only way that you can help support Priority One. We are still on the lookout for another voice to join the show. If you're into Star Trek gaming of all sorts, then you might be just what we're looking for. Just send us an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com for more information. Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. Jim, what places? I don't know. Then let's check it out. Discovery co-creator and executive producer Alex Kurtzman will direct the premiere episode of the show's second season, according to Variety. 
Discovery's sophomore season is scheduled to begin filming sometime this month in Toronto, but no premiere date has been announced. Season 2 will continue where Season 1 left off, with the revitalized Discovery crew responding to a distress call from the USS Enterprise, captained by Christopher Pike. In regards to Discovery's apparent canon conflicts, Kurtzman told Variety in February, quote, The Enterprise holds the answers to a lot of those questions, including Spock's relationship with his half-sister, who he's never mentioned. Which does not necessarily mean you're going to see Spock, just that we owe an answer to that question, end quote. For a link to the Variety article, trek out the show notes. I would be really sad if they cast Spock um, and it wasn't Zachary Quinto. Zachary Quinto does television, right? He's done a, uh, Heroes. He started off his career in Heroes. Then even after his successful movie career, he uh, was in American Horror Story. Um so he's not so he's not afraid of being on television i would imagine so long as the story and the 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 script and the money and the money is right so i certainly hope that if they do introduce spock they would reach out to him to play it and as well as the actor who played christopher pike in the abram series bruce greenwood bruce greenwood yeah right he does tv too there's no re. There, I, I can't see why, uh, you know, other than contractual, of course, why they wouldn't want to bring in these actors. That could be a problem with the whole Paramount exclusivity thing. There might be an issue there. Now, of course, if the merger goes through that they've been speculating about between Viacom and CBS, that might stop being a problem. But it might not stop being a problem. We don't know. So I'm hopeful that the reason they're being coy about maybe you see Spock and maybe you don't has to do with maybe trying to get Quinto and or Greenwood on board. I hope. That would be neat. Um, I hope it's not because we're not quite sure how we're going to do this. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping it's less. I'm hoping it's less. Uh, like when we have Al on the show, he's like, he doesn't want to talk about the story plans or, or what, what major Star Trek characters might come on because contracts might not come through in time and, you know, the scheduling might not work out or whatever. I'm hoping it's more of a symptom like that rather than we're still thinking about what we want to do here. Now, actor, director, and fan favorite Jonathan Frakes confirms that he will be back in the director's chair for season two of Star Trek Discovery. During a panel at the Lexington Comics and Toy Convention, Frakes said that, yes, he's going to be back. And he has, quote, just read the first script of the second season and the outline for the second script, and it's on fire now, end quote. No other spoiler-worthy quotes were given by Freaks, but it is noteworthy that he's being sent scripts this early into season two's production. For more of Freaks' thoughts on previous Star Trek series, his take on a Tarantino Star Trek, and his feelings about the Orville, We'll have a link to the panel in our show notes. We know that Kurtzman's doing the first episode, so that but they sent Frakes the script for the first episode anyway. And second, I think. I think what it is is Jonathan Frakes has such a great pedigree when it comes to Star Trek, of course, and other sci-fi and um, drama directing that it's great personally to hear that he is involved. They'd be foolish if he was still interested to not keep him in the loop on what's going on. So I just, I think it's wonderful. I'm trying not to read too much into it. Chances are we'll see him direct an episode. What that will be, we don't know. Here's who I really care about. Where is Nicholas Meyer? He's doing his con thing. I'm, I'm telling, I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's doing pre-production with his con miniseries because they really do need stuff to, to sandwich Star Trek people 
in between the seasons for Discovery. And it's probably not going to be ready in time for, for this round, but hopefully they'll, this is, that's something that will drop between Season 2 and Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery. Star Trek Discovery has received yet another award nomination, this time from the World Science Fiction Convention in the form of its prestigious Hugo Award. Discovery's seventh episode, Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad, which featured Harry Mudd, a gormagander, and a boatload of do-overs, has been nominated for the Best Dramatic Presentation Short Form category. Other nominees in the category include Black Mirror, the USS Callister episode, the song The Deep by Clipping, Doctor Who Twice Upon a Time, The Good Place, Michael's Gambit, and The Good Place, The Trolley Problem. Now, Star Trek is no stranger to the Hugo Awards, having first won in 1967 with the original series episode The Menagerie, and later with The City on the Edge of Forever. The last time an official Star Trek series has been honored with a nomination in the Best Dramatic Presentation Short Form category was in 2003 with the Star Trek Enterprise episodes Carbon Creek and A Night in Sick Bay. But Star Trek fan film New Voyages was nominated in 2008 with its World Enough and Time. The last time Star Trek has won a Hugo Award in this category was in 1995 for the Star Trek Next Generation finale, All Good Things. For a link to all of the 2018 Hugo Award nominees, head over to the show notes. Now, this is good company, because I don't know if you guys have watched The Good Place. It is hilarious. I, I have seen The Good Place. Um, I, You know, I really respect Doctor Who. My first instinct was that that episode was not anywhere near good enough. To be yeah, no, it wasn't one category. of the best. It was not one of the best. That was one of the ones that I really enjoyed the premise of, and I really liked up until the last sort of 10, 15 minutes. Um, that for me was disappointing. I was, yeah, I was not a fan of that particular episode. But but I mean, and let's look at let's look at the company that the, the other Star Trek Menagerie. That was okay. City on the Edge of Forever, obviously one of the greatest science fiction shows of all time, not just Star Trek. But that's like a that's like a mixed bag there. Then you go to Enterprise. Carbon Creek was a pretty good episode. A Night in Sick Bay, not so much. Um, and then uh, New Voyages, of course. Uh, that I think World Enough in Time was the one where they brought Takai back, and so that one that one was a good one. Um, and then uh, and then of course All Good Things is one of the one of the classics of the TNG um, series. So I mean, it's like a mixed bag of, of Star Trek good and bad. It's like they get they nominated some that you wouldn't wouldn't think really ought to be nominated there. And then some of them that are obvious favorites. Respectfully, I don't think that episode has a chance at all of, of winning no. that category. But no. as they say, it is an honor to be nominated. Speaking of uh, fan productions and science fiction awesomeness, Captain, the cuteness dampeners won't hold. They're going to overload. Parkview Elementary School musical director Kevin Croxton produced his fifth annual Parkview musical video starring fifth and sixth graders from the aforementioned school. The Van Buren Arkansas Elementary School's Music Club, which consists of 33 members and is run by director Croxton, recently released this six-minute musical production, a Star Trek fan film, and it's kind of genius. The premise, the crew of the USS Parkview NCC-1619, an homage to the school's name and address, must rescue the Easter Bunny from the clutches of the Klingons. The production was filmed at Starbase Studios in Marble Falls, Arkansas, with costumes from Rubies and animation from Robzilla Productions. But the real stars are the kids. From Kid Kirk to Kid Spock and Kid Uhura and Kid Scotty and Kid Chekhov with the fake Russian accent and the landing party with the Klingons. It's, it's, it'll, I guarantee you put a little smile on your face. 
To check out the video and learn more about the process of making the film, head over to the show notes. And I highly recommend that you do because it is 100% worth it. They did these little kids up in proper TOS Klingon makeup. It, they sang. There was the Easter Bunny. I mean... You know all those classic Star Trek themes that you hear in the background? Dun, 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 yeah. dun, 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 dun. Okay, well, they put words to all those things. Yep. I was impressed by Kid Kirk's uh, impression. Yeah, yeah. He, Kid Kirk. And Kid Spock was pretty pretty legit, too. You know, it's me, so i got to like find one thing to sort of critique, and I'm not going to critique the kids or the production. Paramount when and CBS, when they put their sort of stringent guidelines on, on stuff, this is the kind of thing that you can still do within those guidelines, right? It's cute. It's a one-off. It's it's entertaining. It's light. It's funny. If you're looking for like real Star Trek stories, I don't think you're going to get those anymore. This stuff is still possible, and it's still fun. But you're not going to get like real Star Trek stories anymore. This past weekend, people all around the world may have been pranked on April Fools in one way, shape, or form. Well, your college buddy wasn't the only one to get in on the fun. You will certainly want to trek out the product gags that were teased by some of Star Trek's biggest partners. For a link to the Trek tricks, which include Think Geek's Klingon alphabet fridge magnets, the Eagle Moss cloaked Klingon bird of prey, and Star Trek Online's Curlin Dab emote, follow the link in our show notes to trek them all out. I liked the the uh, Klingon bird of prey, the cloaked one. That was good. That was that was funny. And I can almost guarantee you that those the Klingon alphabet fridge magnets are going to be available next yes, year because Think yeah, Geek is yeah. known for the, their their most popular April Fool's pranks end up becoming next year's. My yep. wife wanted a set. I, I, I said, "Ha ha! Look at this!" And she's like, "Oh, can we get those?" And I'm like, "It's an April Fool's joke." And she's like, "No, oh man!" Yeah, they need, I'm they like, "Well, don't worry," because a few years ago they had the they had a T-shirt soundtrack thing. Where you could play, you push a button when you walk into a room and have a soundtrack play when you walked into the room, and they had to actually manufacture it because everybody wanted one. So, I, yeah, the, the, those alphabet fridge magnets are going to come true. Well, that's it for this week's Star Trek news. Now, let's find out what happened this week in the world of Star Trek gaming. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, Captains, happy First Contact Day to thee. In celebration of First Contact Day, you can hop right into Star Trek Online to earn one of two rewards. The Bozeman Hyper Impulse Engine, which, according to the blog, quote, is designed for enhanced flight speed, featuring a modified fuel injector that increases speed when at full throttle, but it comes at a cost of some maneuverability. Additionally, you can get yourself a Phoenix Hollow Emitter, which I believe is something that we've been receiving for the last several years, correct? For the last, I want to say, year or two years, uh, we've been getting that Phoenix Hollow Emitter when they introduced the new uh, Bozeman Montana map. I gotta say, nothing compares to the Zephyrm Cochrane shotgun. You're gonna, you're gonna pull that audio again, aren't you? No, it was, it's too soon. Too soon, <laughs> too too soon, soon since soon. the last time. It could be a thing, though. Now, of course, one of the most important releases of this week was 14.5. And with it came a featured episode featuring Jordy LaForge, played by, of course, LeVar Burton. The featured episode titled The Renegade's Regret explored what the Zinkethi captain endured 
and why they ended up allying with the Federation and Klingon Alliance. So I, I, I played the mission, and right off the bat, here's what I have to say. The thing that I noticed immediately was that okay we we have been placed in ships before right we've been we've been thrown into the ambassador right with 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 tasha yar mm -hmm. we've been thrown into other ships and what ends up happening every time you're thrown into a new ship like this is that your power tray goes crazy yeah like absolutely nuts yeah. in this episode you get thrown into this and kathy ship but your power tray is in control, right? Like I, I felt like, okay, yeah, I can do this. I don't have to do all I have to do is worry about two or three buttons. Yeah. And I liked that. I I felt that the the barrier to entry for something like that was nearly eliminated. Yeah, it was it was pretty straightforward. I thought it was almost like it was almost too it was almost too easy actually because all you really had to do was worry about targeting and then it just kind of melted right. through. But then again, for this particular episode, I think that works. Because uh, if you remember when we first encountered the Zen Kathy, they were—they're quite powerful. I mean, they're—they're they're zinging all over the galaxy, um, you know, committing genocide. So it kind of works with the story to make that bit actually kind kind of easy to do. It's—I don't think you're meant to think uh, that they're much of a challenge those first ships. So I, it works, and I agree with you. It was a lot easier uh, than some other <laughs> of those uh, those special starships in the past. You know what? This this reminds me of 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 one of the last, not the most recent featured episode, but the, one of the one of the featured episodes where you, Kenna, were like, "Man, this is pretty dark." Mm -hmm. This episode was really dark. Yeah, I mean, you were placed in the position of committing genocide. Yeah, right. I mean, and it, and it progressed as it went forward, as the mission went forward. It was like, all right, well, this is questionable. Okay, all right. Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's no evidence. Oh, we're still going to destroy the planet and kill billions of people. Mm -hmm. This was this was bold for Star Trek Online. I felt. Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit heavy-handed, and it was. I, I we knew where it was going. Okay, because it's a flashback. Of course, we know where it's going. Uh, I did think it was an interesting choice, actually, to put you as the player in into her shoes. I mean, ultimately, the outcome, you knew what was going to happen. Um, but it did kind of allow you some time because the gameplay is the same as every other mission in Star Trek Online. Right, right. It's not Go to point yeah. A, shoot some stuff. Go to point B, right, shoot some more right, stuff. Right, go right, to the right, planet, right. go down to the planet, run around, shoot some stuff. And it even had that whole, you know hold the fort while while the guys behind you sort stuff out kind of action exactly. so it was very yes. like every other star trek online um I, I don't mean that dismissively by the way that, but it is very much like every other star trek online episode except that you are very much the bad guy um yeah and i yeah. thought it was kind of interesting it did kind of make me stop and think because every other star trek online episode you're kind of doing that without this sort of background of genocide and killing the whole planet um but you do think of how many planets we've run around killing absolutely everything mm. you know um mm. it, it was a nice moment of reflection is what i'm getting at i think the only thing that i would have liked to see is i i'm not going to rewrite all of star trek online that's silly um but i do think actually some of this lost a little bit of impact based on the fact that we that it was done in flashback so we knew how it was going to end up uh, contrasted to something like um, Ender's Game. So they, they're training children to be soldiers. And 
they tell them that it's training exercises and that when you graduate, you'll go on and you'll fight in this intergalactic war that's been raging for ages. What they don't tell them is actually it's been over for a long time and we're not defending ourselves. We're going to all these simulations that you think you're doing. They're real. You're actually driving the war machine and you're killing everybody um, that, you know, they find that out right at the end. Um, but you don't know that you as the audience don't know that here. We know how it ends. So that um, that horror of kind of the discovery, you know, that moment when when we've got the admiral saying, oh, nope, there's definitely stuff going on on the planet. And the captain's going, no, there isn't that horror wasn't quite there because you knew that was going to happen. Um, right. That's the, that's my only like really minor criticism there that I would have liked to see that, but I don't know how you would, I don't know how you would still make it a game, you know, uh, but you know, I've, I've criticized discovery for this for similar things. So I, I really can't give Star Trek online too hard of a time. I think that the mission itself, it, it was interesting, you know, to go this route. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I think that it really lacked any wow or pop. Um, you know, it, it just... It wasn't up there with some of their better um, episodes. Uh, but right, you weren't grappling thing, hooking, right? You weren't, like, right. you weren't grappling. Yeah. Uh, clearly, they, you know, they had to do uh, some work with it because uh, they had to come up with whole new animations for, like, even just walking mm. as a Zenkethi. Um so clearly they had to put time into that. What I did think of when I was playing the mission was this hopefully will open it up for you to play maybe as a Borg. Wouldn't I, I thought that would be interesting if later on down the road at some point we're against the Borg and you know uh, now if you fight the Borg you can get assimilated yeah, in the way yeah. that... Right. Like that would be really cool as playing as a Borg and a situation mm -hmm. like that where you're assimilating people yeah. or something. I think that would have a little bit more wow and a little bit more pop to it. Um, yeah. Well, Captains, we encourage you to check out the mission yourselves and let us know what you think about it in the comment section for this episode at priority1podcast.com forward slash PO361 or be sure to answer our community questions on Facebook or Twitter. And don't forget that by playing this featured episode during the first week, you will receive the science console emitter refocuser, which passively boosts your Tetrion damage, shield restoration, and drain expertise. So... That's not the only thing that was released with season 14.5, right? We we also had a new specialization tree. Uh, Winters, what's been right. your experience with the new specialization? The constable, right? Yep, constable specialization. It's a secondary specialization tree. Uh, to be honest, I haven't gone through uh, like each ability yet and you know checked out um, the, the exact stats for each of them. Uh, and I haven't looked at what the starship trading... There's a little bit of ground and a little bit of space uh, in the tree, so like whatever the bonuses that you get, it's you know both ground and space that it buffs. And this is the first uh, secondary, I think, that boosts both ground and space at the same time. So that's interesting. It could be a really good specializ secondary specialization to have, is that you know you don't have to constantly keep on changing 
your uh, specializations. Uh, you can just keep that as your secondary and you're good to go. Well, Captains, at this point, Season 14.5 saw with it a new mission featuring LeVar Burton reprising his role as Jordy the Forge and a new specialization, a secondary specialization tree for you to go through. Now we eagerly await Expansion 4, Victory is Life. In the meantime, as we mentioned earlier, we want you to sound off about your experiences with Season 14.5, both the mission and the specialization tree. Be sure to answer our community questions on PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO361 or by answering us on our social media platforms like Facebook or Twitter. But before we move forward with the promenade, Winters, why don't you tell us what's going on in the Armada? Well, today is indeed a glorious day for the Priority One Armada, and we want to honor a few members who have gone above and beyond the call of duty for our great houses that are in the Priority One Armada. These members have been unanimously nominated by the senior staff for the Klingon Honor Guard Medal in recognition of their recent donations made to the Armada website and a lithium donations made to the fleets. We all felt that their generous contributions warranted special recognition within the Armada, since their efforts have helped so much with the current upgrade dilithium costs, as well as the donations made to the Armada website, which has made a huge dent in what we owe for website hosting fees, domain name fees, TeamSpeak hosting fees, and other Armada administrative fees needed to maintain our Armada network. It is my great honor to present the Klingon Honor Guard Medal to Captain One of Five, Captain Korba, Captain Ve'eth, Captain Thivat, General Nesha, and General Tusk. This is an extraordinary accomplishment. Each of you have become part of a very distinguished group within the Armada, and we are so grateful for your generosity and dedication to the Armada. Congratulations to all of those captains for their ongoing support of Priority One and the Priority One Armada. This is actually our second highest award, and this is the first time that we have handed out this award on the Klingon side. Well, that's it for this week's Star Trek Online news. Now let's check in with Jake and Cookie on the promenade. Hey, welcome back. I'm Jake Cobb. And I'm Cookie Cupcakes. Jake, I missed you. I missed you too, Cookie. It's been so long. It's been way too long. I haven't gotten a chance to really go shopping at the promenade lately. Oh, did you find anything on the promenade? Because if you have, we should get to it. I did find something new. What did you find? Something I'm really excited about. Okay. Have you ever found yourself seeking Jamaharan? But didn't have a Horgon handy, so you had to actually approach people verbally. But you just weren't sure who to approach or what to say, and you either end up talking yourself out of it, or you pick the wrong person, and you go home feeling lonely and rejected, and it all could have been prevented if you just had a Horgon. That sounds like my life. That's why I'm asking you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now you can buy one from ThinkGeek. And it's not only a full-size replica, but the top has a removable lid that pops off, and you can turn it into a candle holder. How romantic. Super. I love candlelight, especially during Jamaharan. The candle holder is made to hold either a tapered candle or a tea light-sized candle. 
It is unfortunately made out of plastic, though, which is kind of a bummer, and it makes me wonder what happens when the candle melts down to the plastic. Is it going to burn or melt the plastic? But I'm not caring as much about the candle part. I'm just thinking about getting this and using it at the next con I go to. Might have it hanging around where I'm lounging just to test it out. Horgons are the new dating apps! I mean, they are the rising symbol for sexuality. These Horgons retail for $19.99 at thinkgeek.com. Okay, firstly, that thing is awesome. It looks like it's right out of the show. I know, it's so cool looking. Secondly, I like the fact that it's $19.99, and I'm sure that if it wasn't plastic, it'd be a lot more. But I don't love the fact that it's plastic. I know. I'm not loving it. But if you put one of those, like, flickering fake candles, you'll be good to go. You should use those anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, Cookie, if your Horgon is the new version of a dating app, my product is the original. I'm talking, of course, about money. (laughs) Well, coins to be more specific, but you get my point. The Perth Mint, a Western Australian purveyor of precious metals, including collector's coins, has once again partnered with Star Trek, this time to produce a two-piece silver-proof set featuring Michael Burnham and the titular ship on which she serves, the USS Discovery. Both one-ounce, 99.99% pure silver-proofs are... Quote, issued as legal tender under the authority of the government of Tuvalu and feature the Ian Rank Broadley effigy of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, the 2018 year date, and the monetary denomination on its obverse, end quote, according to the Perth Mint website. On the flip side of the first coin, there is a color profile of Michael Burnham overlaying a Discovery Delta, offset to the right to the viewer. To the left, an embossed Discovery type reads Star Trek Discovery First Officer Michael Burnham. The second proof is an embossed USS Discovery in near-side profile, overlaying a 23rd century United Federation of Planets emblem. In the center, where the starfield ordinarily lays, is a painted nebula. To the top of the proof, once again embossed in Discovery font, reads Star Trek Discovery. To the bottom, under the UFP, reads USS Discovery NCC-1031. Both coins come in a display base described as a transporter, though honestly it doesn't look much like a transporter to me. That's not to say, however, it doesn't look freaking awesome. It's cylindrical in shape and offers two unique mounts for the coins. The first hides behind a pair of sliding doors at the center of the cylinder, illuminated from the base. The other is visible even when the doors are in the closed position, sitting on the top of the display, also illuminated. Sadly, very little is reported about the base, but if the final product follows previous releases, it will be constructed of a sturdy hard plastic. The officially licensed set, which comes with a numbered certificate of authenticity, is limited to 5,000. But according to StarTrek.com, only 1500 are set for international release. The price is listed on Perth Mint at $209.09 Australian, or $160.39 US. But StarTrek.com reports a list price of $249 US. If you order this set, please let us know what the final price is, so long as you're willing. Really quickly, I don't want to skim over the fact that these coins are legal tender in... Tuvalu? It's a small island country between Hawaii and Australia with a population of 11,000 people. You'll probably never go to Tuvalu, but if you do, you can use these beautiful coins as currency, which is nice. And I wouldn't. Okay, uh, I'm Googling it. <laughs> Tuvalu, it doesn't Tuvalu. even, if you Google it, it's ocean. Yeah, Tuvalu. Oh, there's an airport. That's <laughs> all there's there. That's all that's there. It's tiny. There is places to purchase things. There's a bar. A restaurant. But it's 99.99% pure silver, and it's one Tuvalu dollar. Oh. Yeah, just keep it as a collectible instead. Yeah, that'll be good. Mm-hmm. 
that base looks pretty cool. Isn't that awesome? Although I tried to zoom in on it, and I just took me to another page that didn't have a picture of it. So <laughs> I went on and looked at some of the YouTube videos from previous releases. The TNG one had the same base, and people were going through and doing actual hands-on reviews, and it looks really cool. Really, really cool. So there you have it. Money can't buy you love, but it can buy you a horgon. Or money. Links to the items discussed can be found in the show notes, so please be sure to check them out. Have any comments about the segment or anything discussed herein? We'd love to hear them. So let us know what you think on Twitter, Facebook, or in the comments section. And remember, you keep an eye on the stars. We'll keep an eye on the market. Until next time. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See? We are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Episode 360's community question was, what did you think of the deleted scene and the reveal that Section 31 is playing a role in Star Trek Discovery? From PriorityOnePodcast.com, Tyler Maxwell writes... I'm intrigued by the potential inclusion of Section 31 in Star Trek Discovery. Section 31 represents an interesting counter to our usual Starfleet do-gooder heroes. Unlike other baddies, such as the Klingons and the Terran Empire, they are committed to the ideals and freedoms of the Federation, yet they believe that preserving it sometimes requires doing the exact opposite. They could be used as an adversary and a reluctant ally to the Discovery crew in various stories. At the same time, though, I'm disappointed by the idea that Section 31 and its members would be so obvious about their existence to everyone they meet. Which I agree with, but still, the black badges are cool. Yeah, it's, you know, you drop off the black badge in your HR packet, here's your bus pass, and here's your security badge, Uh, you know, and don't forget the orientation meeting on Thursday. If you could just have this paperwork returned to us by the end of the week, that would be There's great. There's an envelope. There's a prepaid envelope in there. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, yeah. Just, just get you get all that. Get your packet turned in by the end of the week. Yeah. Ron Kinney on Facebook writes in: boring <laughs> and predictable. Section thirty-one has been speculated upon since before the series even launched, and here we are with confirmation that they are in fact with section thirty-one. And they've been there all along with their black badges. We just didn't know. It's Honestly, though, it's less predictable than another twist would have been. True. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. I was waiting for the last twist. Yeah. From PriorityOnePodcast.com, MGX says, Regarding Section 31, I'm not a fan. It's a very overused plot device at this point. I would love to see some other faction have a spotlight, like Temporal Investigations Unit or the actual Starfleet Intelligence. Temporal Investigation Unit reminds me of, it's like criminal, or uh, <laughs> what is it, like CSI, CS- yeah. CSI space. Yeah. In every Starfleet, there are two <laughs> factions, the regular people that fly spaceships and the guys that do time travel. They're both really important. It's the Department of Temporal Investigations. These are the stories. Dun, we, dun, need dun, work, dun, dun, <laughs> we need to work up that pilot, Tony. I think that's yeah, like. Yeah, we do. We I think do that's need to work got up legs. That pilot. I think it does. I think it does. Because it's like the, it's that was that one. It was the Tribulations one with DS9, when those two like men in black sort of guys wander into Cisco's office. Right. We just have a few questions for you. Go right ahead. Yeah, I think that's that. That would that could be a thing. I agree with this assessment, though. That that Section Thirty One is a 
plot device because it's kind of like the thing they bring in when they want it to still be the Federation, but they want it to be like, like being mean, you know, like because the Federation yeah. was supposed to be all nice and honorable and stuff. And they're like, yeah, right. We need somebody on the good side who's going to be bad. Let's use Section right. 31. <laughs> and the way and the way that they approached that was that they they hooked it into a character, right? It was Bashir in DS9, and it was Malcolm in Enterprise. Wait, wait, wait. It was Bashir Section 31? Oh, spoiler alert for those of you that have not watched DS9. <laughs> well, crap! Eventually, Put a spoiler alert before that kind of stuff. Come yeah. on, it's well, only I'm a 20-year-old program. It's I haven't got to that bit yeah. yet. It, it's only 20 years old. I'm sorry. But, but yeah, <sighs> the, the, so spoiler alert, uh, Kenna, and probably Elijah, too, forgot it. No, I stupid. remembered. I just thought it was dumb. But anyway, no, but, but they hooked it into a character, right? Yeah. So the, uh, Bashir had Bashir had kind of a shady... I mean, there, there's a specific thing about Bashir's past that's a little bit shady. And Malcolm had apparently had been a little bit shady earlier in his career, too. So they hooked into a character with the, with the right kind of background to, like, push him towards the dark side a little bit. They're doing this with the Terran lady who's already so compromised it doesn't friggin' matter. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what is she going to do? Like, turn slightly good? I, I I don't understand the hook of Section 31 being with Mirror Philippa. It doesn't make sense to me as far as a, as far as a integrating it with the plot line sort of a thing. They should have gone after Burnham. I still don't think that they will integrate it with the plot line. I think we might see hints of it and like a little Easter egg here and there, but they're not going to make that a plot line. It's, 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 give me something new. Come on. You know? I, that's the other thing too. That's why we were saying the Department of Temporal Investigations, actual Starfleet intelligence, give it, give us some, some, uh, 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 new organization that gives us a new look at, at how the world of the Federation works. Carlos Perez via Facebook. This show needs to provide us with something new and engaging. Not dusting off different Trek nuggets Hashtag. to pay fan service, so we'll watch. Enough darkness, enough despair. There's enough of that in the real world. Let's do some discovery for Takuvma's sake. Let's see some more cool science tinged with optimism and hope. Even DS9 had hope. Even DS9. And they invented Section 31. Man. And from iTunes, we get some feedback from Navarden from the UK on March 4th. He says, a must-listen podcast for all things Trek. Why, thank you very much, Navarden. And the iTunes reviews are very helpful in uh, keeping us visible on that uh, particular medium. So thanks a lot for that. Well, that wraps up episode 361 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. For more great podcasts like Mission Log, Women at Warp, and The Trek Files, Visit podcasts.roddenberry.com. But we can't forget to send a special thanks to all our Patreon supporters like Jim DeVico, Navy Boats Lou, Diana Gunther, Peter Archibald, Star Kicker, David S., and Alex Blake. Before we go, here's a reminder of our community question this week. Who would you like to see direct an episode or film of Star Trek? And what are your thoughts on the new featured episode in Star Trek Online? Captains, you know we love hearing from you, so leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or tweet us at PriorityOnePod. 
Don't miss a thing from the Star Trek multiverse. Catch our episodes every Friday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Tuesday nights at around 11 p.m. Eastern on Facebook. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And if that wasn't enough, you can join us in Star Trek Online in the Priority One Armada. If you're interested, just head over to PriorityOneArmada.com and sign up today. And don't forget that every Saturday night, the Armada takes to our Twitch channel, where we review the latest Star Trek Online and Armada news, as well as highlighting some of the amazing members in the Armada. Each week, we team up with you, our listeners and viewers, to earn things like reputation marks and dilithium. We even offer giveaways, so there's something for all levels of players in Star Trek Online. Follow us on twitch.tv forward slash priority one. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at patreon.com forward slash priority one. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com. Every episode, the Guard takes you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And our latest endeavor, Heroes Rise, brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a live urn. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio team, led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker and Jake Morgan. Thanks to Jake as well for writing our script and spearheading our social media efforts. Thanks to our graphic artist and web designer, Henry Pomper. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to Patreon associate producer, Navy Boats Lou and Jim DeVico. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. of it <laughs> yes the romanticness romanticism <laughs> <laughs> i don't think people are gonna know what that means oh, that's that why i'm be, saying no it. that should all be gone that's gotta be gone okay. you can't do that <laughs> i'm just gonna keep going <clears throat> start again you can't do that what i can't let you do that <laughs> because everybody knows what that means you didn't cut it out Hanging around where I'm lounging. Did you hear that cat? I totally heard that cat. You need to shut up. (laughs) You need to be quiet. I will play with you with the toy later.
have liked to see is that be- because Jesus. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> he banged yeah, his good. knee. I've lost my train of thought now. Cookie. Nah, d- d- delete, delete the gaming news. Just Star Trek Online because we didn't talk about gaming. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> your glutteral, your, your, your vocal fray was hilarious. Ah. <laughs> Michael, my vocal fry brings all the boys to the yard. <laughs> uh, good stuff, good stuff. Yay! Chicka bow wow! And stop. And stop. Podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network.